Hi, I'm Catherine Gray, founder of She Angel Investors and co-founder of the She Angels Foundation. I'm also the podcast host of Invest in Her and an award-winning producer, author, and TEDx speaker. Our show, Invest in Her, features phenomenal female founders and funders. As you know, women receive less than 2% of venture capital funding. Our series is about accelerating the funding of women by connecting them to funding resources. Let's meet today's guest. Welcome to this week's edition of Invest in Her. I'm your host, Catherine Gray, founder of She Angel Investors and co-founder of the She Angels Foundation. And today, as always, we have an amazing guest. Uh, she is the policy and public engagement uh, head of Google DeepMind. Google DeepMind is about AI. Very interesting conversation about that today. And she's also an investor. Please welcome to the show, Dorothy Cho. Hi, Dorothy. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me on, Catherine. So glad we finally connected. I know uh, you're wow. such a busy woman and um, you are coming to us from the UK today, right? Yes. I've been based in London for about six years now with um, DeepMind, which was founded um, here in about 2010 and then acquired by Alphabet in 2014. Oh, wow. And so you had shared with me you were born in the U.S., but now you've been in the U.K. for six years. Um, and I always like just to get to know people like where were you born in the U.S.? Where, where are you from? Sure. Well, I was born in L.A. Uh, my parents were immigrants from Taiwan and they were graduate students in L.A., but um, grew up largely outside of New York City, um, went to school in Washington, D.C., uh, and got dipped my toe in politics while I was there and then moved out to the Bay Area for nearly a decade. So it's been a journey <laughs> coming yeah. across the pond, and I feel like I've just been super lucky to see a lot of different phases of, you know, the Obama administration and the hope and change around that all the way to the Valley and um, how much the Bay Area has shifted. And then now to London with this newest hype cycle around AI. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't want to know about AI? It's this big industry. <laughs> and I'm thinking nobody better than you. And, you know, I love that you told me your title is policy and public engagement head yes. of Google. Uh, deep mind. And I'm like, couldn't they have given you a longer title? Right, <laughs> 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 Just a little bit complex. No, I am. Um, what, yeah. what is Google deep mind? Tell us what it is so that we can first start there. For sure. Well, it's the unit of Google that works exclusively on advanced AI systems um, to power scientific discovery. And through that, unlock a lot of the benefits that we want to see from AI for society. So everything from drug discovery, um, faster cures for major diseases that we're powering through something called protein folding. So if you remember, um, the COVID spike protein was the uh, effective thing that they built all of the different treatments around. And so that's what we're thinking about is how do we get to understand these different diseases more quickly? We used to take, um, I think, four years of a PhD and lots of expensive equipment to fold a single protein. And then we basically created a program that folded all 200 million known proteins uh, in the world in one go. So it really expands the ability to um, speed up scientific discovery. And we're hoping to do the same on issues related to climate and a lot of the biggest challenges that 
uh, the world faces today. So you think AI is really a major part of the solution to climate change, healthcare, all of these things? Yeah, I think the potential is there. But of course, what's really important in terms of unlocking all of that is that it has to be stewarded well, right? You have to prioritize the right problems. You have to prioritize um, equitable outcomes from AI. And that happens through partnering with government, with civil society, to make sure that a lot of the breakthroughs that we have are being deployed in the ways that are going to benefit the public interest. Um, and so a lot of the work that I do is around working with a diverse set of stakeholders here at DeepMind to make sure that we're stewarding the technology well and bringing in a lot of the voices outside of the company to make sure that we're listening to them, that we're taking their interests into account and that we're working together to build the future that they want to see and make sure that technology is working for them and not the other way around. Right. Because I think a big concern about AI, isn't it, that how it could skew based on, you know, ethnicity or age or things like that, right? Yeah, a lot of the um, worries around AI are that it's going to exacerbate, you know, existing problems that we already see in society around bias. And certainly a lot of systems have already been used in those ways. Like we've seen policing systems in the U.S., for example, um, that are basically using data that is, you know, about some communities that have historically been over-policed um, versus being able to use um, data that is much more unbiased. And so the, the question is, how do you reduce that bias and how do you correct for that over time, especially as these systems become more and more widely used? So we've invested in a lot of work around decolonial AI, for example. What does that look like? How do we apply decolonial theory to that? Um, we released a paper that's about fairness with relation to unobserved characteristics. So some characteristics like um, ethnicity or other things can be more visibly interpreted through AI. But what about, um, you know, people's sexuality or um, gender? That's not as decipherable. And so how do we provide for fairness in those contexts. Like this is stuff that I think is incredibly important to be doing research into alongside developing the capabilities around AI. And it's something that we're deeply invested in. I like that. And what made you decide to become an investor? Because not enough women invest in venture capital. And not enough at all. Not yes. at all. <laughs> you know, we uh, have a movie coming out called Show Her the Money. Encourage. Oh women to become angel investors. It's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show is because whenever I find women that are ahead of the curve, they're investing in venture capital, they're investing in up and coming innovations. Um, I like talking to them to encourage and inspire other women to invest as well. So what was that moment that you said, you know what, I want to actually be an investor in AI and health tech and all of these things that are going to impact the planet? Well, so many things that I were was observing, you know, throughout my 15 plus years in the tech industry was that every time a new development happened, it seemed to be able to launch with just being good enough for women and people of color versus putting our needs and priorities first. And that's just a reflection of the society we live in. If you think about and, clinical trials, and let me yes. just interject. And who was investing in it? A hundred percent. hundred percent. 
because hundred percent, and you have a say. So, yeah, go ahead. That's exactly it. It's having a seat at the table, right? And so, my parents are in drug discovery, and they would tell me that even in preclinical trials, you know, when they're testing uh, new drugs um, in mice, uh, they only used male mice because hormones were considered to be noise, not signal. Oh and God. so if you're thinking it's, it goes all the way back to, I mean, it's not even talking about clinical trials, which we've just started getting women into in the past few decades, right? It's so in my mind, it's how do we start activating a lot of these, what I would call undervalued markets, the markets that don't seem to exist yet, precisely to your point, because, you know, the people who are investing haven't seen them um, by investing in overlooked founders. For me, it's equity is at the heart of everything. And you know, I've spent so much of my career trying to fix it on the from the policy perspective, but that's actually towards the back end of the funnel. If you think about, um, you know, markets, normative behaviors, and laws, I've really worked in this space around normative behaviors and laws when it comes to technology. But then the top of the funnel really is set by VCs. They set all the behaviors, even now in AI, around you know when is it okay to release something to the public? When is safe is safe enough? All of that kind of dynamic is determined uh, largely by the up and coming companies, which are backed by VCs. And so and to me, mostly men and mostly so men they're leaving the women's sensibilities about these things that are being determined about AI off the table, unless we invest more venture capital into women founded companies. And let's face it, they're fit more than 50% of the brain power that are coming up with these innovations and ideas that are uh, implementing AI. So we need to yep. back those women, right? And I know that's exactly. something you do with your investments. Exactly. I, I started out investing in women's health more because I wanted to understand patterns within a single vertical. That was the goal. I, I didn't feel confident enough that I could go across the board and just make several investments and understand what was going on. And when I dug more deeply into it, and as I talked to more VC firms here in the UK, it seemed like the hesitation around investing in women's health is largely twofold. One is, to your point, there aren't enough women investors to really advocate for um, these companies within investment committees. I mean, even if they're partners in the firms, they're not general partners. And so the, the committee that decides what's safe and worth investing in is largely still male. I think the other piece of it is when they do surveys about what women are willing to spend money on, for example, if you talk about contraception, right? Does your contraception work? Yes. Um, are you still uncomfortable month to month? Yes. How much money are you willing to pay to change that? And what would you like deprioritize financially in order to pay for it. Turns out women like to spend money on everything except for themselves and their own care, especially in the UK where there's a public health system. And so if you look at that dynamic from a, an investment firm perspective, they're saying, well, women won't pay for it. There isn't a market. And then I started thinking, do we even exist if the market doesn't see us? Like in a capitalist society, do we even exist? And so, there is a social element of this that needs to change as well. And so there's a supply side of who's determining who gets funded, but there's also a demand side of really prompting women to shift that behaviors that they've been taught by society. And so I started to look at these things and I was like, I, we need to fix this. We absolutely need to change this. And so that's really what's catalyzed my theory behind investing. 
And when it comes to almost anything, women uh, are 80% of the decision makers of where the uh, family's finances are spent. So we do have that financial power behind us, that decision-making power of what is purchased. And so we should have more power in what is put out into the market. And um, the only way to change that is to invest in it. There are women coming into trillions of dollars in the coming decade through various uh, resources. And we need to encourage them to be in the venture capital market. They need to put a part of their portfolio into investing in female founders that have ideas and innovations that will impact not only women, but society at large and children and generations to come and healthcare and climate change and all of that. And if we don't get behind these innovations that women have come up with, the the planet is going to suffer. So my point is we need more women like yourself. People do tend to invest in people they identify with. And so yes. we, we have to see ourselves at that decision-making table of deciding where the money goes. Besides it impacting the planet, it also happens to be very lucrative, right? And so women have been left out of the venture capital space as investors where men are making billions of dollars. They make more money on a firm that they've invested in startup uh, before it goes to the public market, while most people are just investing in the public stock exchange where the- Profits have already been had, you know, not to say they shouldn't put some there, but some of it should be in this venture capital space. And I think you will agree with me as an investor in this space that you also get to learn about all the innovations before everybody else. So I know being a woman that loves to know about innovation first, that's one of the reasons that you love it also, right? Oh, completely. And I, I also think we can change what innovation looks like. Like we, I think women invest very differently. Like when I look at founders, I'm thinking about what is the ecosystem level change that founder wants to see? That's the first thing I look for is not this, just this one fixing one little problem, but can you forecast how this is going to have impact down the line? And often that comes because of personal experience, right? That's like lived experience that you have. You know that um, that optical illusion of like you can you either see a duck or you see a rabbit and everybody usually sees one thing or the other. Mm-hmm. I want to find the person that when everybody sees the duck, she sees the rabbit and she sees it because of lived experience. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm trying to. And, and if you can see that, then you can very easily build and take that market. Um, and that's where I think things get really, really interesting is you're looking for. Um, people who can capitalize on an inflection curve. And sometimes that inflection curve can be created through policy interventions, through social change. And I think that's something that only, I would say not only women and people of color, but we're basically in a better position to see than some others right now. And I, 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 that's what I'm really interested in seeing for sure. When you say the duck and the rabbit, I almost think of that like men and women, like men see things <laughs> one way and women see yeah. it 
way. And if yeah. all the products in, whether it's uh, movies out of Hollywood or, um, you know, cures and medicines in the uh, healthcare world, whatever, if you're only seeing it from one perspective, a man's perspective, then you're yeah. missing a whole other perspective that women bring to the table that I think most men could appreciate, but they don't realize it's missing in determining what products are made, which ones are funded, which ones are released and, and what people need and want. And there's no way that just the rabbit knows what everybody wants without the duck's perspective. Right. Exactly. Um, exactly. And that's what's exactly. Missing. It's why the world is so broken right now. The healthcare system's broken. Uh, mm -hmm. every, everything is broken now because it's all being uh, looked at from one perspective and the women's perspective is really missing uh, with us getting just 2% of venture capital funding. There's just no way that these women's innovations and ideas and breakthroughs are being funded yet, but it will take more women investing in these ideas and in innovations in order for things to change. And that's why I'm so grateful for women like you that are leading that charge and encouraging other women to invest on a daily basis. Are you encountering other women saying, Hey, you should look at venture capital as a part of your portfolio. Yeah. A few friends and I here have actually just kicked off a syndicate that we're just trialing out. And if I'm being honest, all of us basically have very little time for it, but we all just feel so passionately about it that it's focused on women's health and wealth. And it's, companies that are basically pushing forwards women's physical and financial autonomy. And what we're trying to do is bring these companies to the forefront with the goal of getting women more comfortable with investing. We tend to do things in tribes, you know, women, women's health is largely tribal right now. You know, we have to make it more widely available in terms of the knowledge that's held in these tribes, but we're all tribal. So sometimes you don't feel comfortable taking a risk on your own, but you'll do it if we can all do it together. And so um, the syndicate's called Bright Young Things. We've, we've just gotten it started. The first deal we're closing on is related to um, an app called Juniver that's tackling eating disorders. Um, and you know, in, in the UK, my understanding is that the NHS's prescription for eating disorders is Weight Watchers coupons. So it just shows you how far behind uh, you know, healthcare systems are when it comes to managing issues that predominantly or disproportionately affect women. And so if we can get more women comfortable with investments. I still, by the way, even with going out for fundraising for these companies, I still find that men are much more willing to give bigger tickets um, when it comes to um, writing checks. They're more willing to take just bigger risks on things. And it, it, there is something about our psyche that needs to shift um, in order for us to really gain market share in my mind. Right, absolutely. There has to be that shift uh, in mindset uh, and not be so risk adverse. Um, and yeah, that's a great message. And the more women that step that line and show the success of those investments, the more yes. other women are going to want to understand it, know about it and be a part of it. And, you know, it's so exciting to be in this investment world uh, of venture capital because you do learn about all the innovations before anyone else. And, you know, I know being in the space that you're in, you love that aspect of it. Um, so uh, if people want to learn more about 
you, AI, investing. Uh, I take it you're on LinkedIn. I am. I am. I I, I regularly post about um, all of our my, the things that I'm up to on LinkedIn. Um, I also generally advocate for change starting from the top. So really investing in diverse founders in AI. So if you're a diverse founder and you're working with AI, definitely hit me up on LinkedIn. Um, and then, um, yeah, I'd love to meet more and more folks who are interested in this space and um, going to broaden it over time. I think it's incredibly important to build and think about different ways of investing and investing more sustainably in companies that are going to really focus on steady, stable, sustainable growth over time. You know, and I, I would say to you, that would be one of my concerns is, you know, I think we all want to invest in the AI company that we know is going to do good with it. And are mm -hmm. not investing in AI companies that maybe not using it for the greater good. And how do we delineate between the two? Do you have a suggestion there? Yeah, I've actually published a bit of a framework um, that I've used in the past to think through, you know, the first one being, is it really AI or are they just marketing it that way? Because if they don't understand the technology that they're using, then we have, or they're not honest about that, they have a problem um, literally at the outset. So that's number one. And I think there are other things to think about as well. For example, do they have a clear sense of the problem that they're really trying to solve and why AI is the right solution? I mean, AI has got some really big limitations, especially the systems out there right now. So it needs to be pretty carefully evaluated. And there are some areas that I do believe are much too sensitive for AI application because of some of the fairness and accuracy concerns we were just talking about that we haven't been able to solve. Um, there's sometimes other issues like, you know, basic data formatting that needs to be done before AI can be a solution. And so you need to really hone in on is this is AI the right answer to the question the company is posing? Um, I also think companies need to understand how their AI solutions will interact with society and existing ecosystems. You know, we've been through a lot of cases of disruption. Right. But what does disrupting well look like? Mm -hmm. How do you retain public trust while you do that? It's not just about, um, you know, disrupting and then dealing with the consequences later. It's about what does market readiness look like? We talk about, a lot about that as VCs. Um, what is that? If you're moving into regulated market, for example, what laws do you think need to be updated for you to deploy effectively and with public trust? That's something that we should all be actively thinking about. Um and you I know, also think so hard yeah. because we don't know what we don't know. That's the hardest part about the AI. Do you have a couple companies that you think are using this in a positive way that you think people should get behind? Yeah, there's one called Suvera uh, in this in the UK that um, I'm, I've had the privilege of meeting the founder several times. He's actually a former DeepMind um, scholar. So how do you um, spell that? S U V E R A. Okay. And what he's been able to deduce is that public health care is largely going to be used to monitor people with chronic conditions because everyone else is largely using private health care um, here if you're employed. But the public health care system really needs to focus on the people who are most in need. But there aren't enough nurses to go around. I mean, there's a nursing shortage around the world. And so he's focused on how do you use AI and machine learning to really think about uh, monitoring folks with um, you know, high blood pressure with diabetes, so they don't have to go to the hospital as much? How can that help aggregate the information so there doesn't have to be as many in-home visits, especially in locations where, you know, it, 
access to healthcare is fewer and further between. So there's questions like that. Um, wait, wait, is this an app or is it a wearable or what is this? What is that? It's a combination. So they have like the hardware devices that you can plug into the app and all that kind of stuff. So that that's one of them. Um, I also was an early investor in a, um, a company called Justice Text, which is based in the States, also a former DeepMind intern um, who's really inspired by the Black Lives Matter movement and um, works with basically they could use their technology in a lot of things. But what they're doing is using uh, police body camera footage and analyzing it and helping public defenders uh, in their work. So taking something that was extremely manual before going through all of that footage to find the right evidence and using AI to basically detect the things that they need and get the information they need to present the case. And they've chosen to go after contracts with public defenders offices first because they believe that that's what they want the, the um, software to be used for. And I'm super supportive of those types of use cases. I think in both um, what I'm looking for there is, is there a robust method to your point? Do we know, do, does the AI do what we think it will? Is there a robust method for quality insurance? And in those, both those cases, there is a robust method for that. And there's also a good method for managing what happens if something goes wrong. You know, what if there's an error? How do you correct for that? How do you report that? How do you adjust that in the system? And the feedback loops are incredibly important. So, a lot of this is like what I look for when I'm trying to decide, you know, is this going to be a safe investment? I think the definition of the word safe and what is a safe investment needs to shift from the typical, you know, that looks like a safe investment because I think it'll make me a lot of cash to, is it beneficial for right. society? Oh, and I think more and more people want to do impact investing. What was the name of the last one you mentioned? Justice. And then is it tax? Yes, T E X T, Justice Text. Oh, T E X T. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great to know. Thank you for sharing those with us because, yeah, I mean, of course. you know, as being involved in Google DeepMind and really an authority on AI, you know, I really love hearing your perspective of what companies are coming out there using this for the greater good so that people don't feel like it's totally a negative thing, but that it can be used for to impact things in a good way. And, uh, Wonderful examples. Thank you. Um, so I just want people to know that they can um, reach you. Uh, I see your name's not up on the screen, so I'm going to tell uh, spell it for people. It's Dorothy Cho and it's C-H-O-U. Uh, you That's can right. find her on LinkedIn. And um, also, are you on other social media or is LinkedIn best? LinkedIn's best. Um, I am on Instagram, largely for personal, and then a bit on Twitter. But if you want to get to me, LinkedIn's the fastest way for sure. Yes, that is the most impactful in the business world, I think. And yes. uh, thanks so much for sharing. You know, I always like talking to female investors, encouraging other women who can to invest in other women. And uh, really, that's what's going to, uh, I think, save the planet. You know, the Dalai Lama says the Western women will save the world. And I think this is how we will do it by being investors in yeah. female founded companies that are coming up with products and ideas and innovations to help save the planet. So uh, thank you so much for being on, Dorothy. Everybody, thank you for tuning in. You can find me, Catherine Gray, invest in her on Instagram and, of course, on LinkedIn. Um, and our, 
Our site is sheangelinvestors.com, where we have a lot of resources and you can find us on all the social media, Facebook, Insta, and otherwise. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. Dorothy, thanks for coming to us from the UK. We appreciate the opportunity to speak to you about AI and your investments. Make it a great week, everybody.